It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. We're here. I'm here. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminauer with you on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for Lax Class 141. I got a bit of a frog in my throat here off the top. Hopefully that clears up as we move along. I got to get my voice primed up here. Big XLL game coming up tonight. Uh, We'll talk about that later in quarter number three. That's quick sticks, of course. We got our stallion in quarter four. Uh, right off the top here, I got Reggie done on Friday. We got calls to the hall quarter two. Reginald Thorpe is our call to the hall interview this week. Evan, you had a busy week. Big focus coming up here in quarter one as well. You had a busy week, so I got Reggie done on Friday, so we'll drop that in in quarter two, and you can look forward to that conversation as well because you haven't heard it yet. Uh, how are things going, my friend? Uh, a little bit crazy this week, I won't lie, but um, uh, for those that want to know, they can DM me, they'll know the details, but um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a lunacy week, and a little bit of hard waiting probably by the time we take the next one. Yeah, well, I, uh, I hope things work out for you in that regard, man. It's getting getting a little messy for you. So uh, so best of luck in that department. Uh, we mentioned last week, I wasn't sure whether whether we were going to pound one out this week, but I got a chance to, to do Reggie and, and figured, you know what, uh, we got that done, and any time I got a chance to take my mind off things and talk some lacrosse, that's a good thing for me. So here we are. Um, my, my father sadly passed away on Tuesday, but I know, uh, I just like, I just want to say thank you to everybody for, for all the texts and calls and messages and everything that everybody that's, that's reached out with their, with their sentiments. It's uh, been pretty overwhelming. The, the amount of responses I've, I've gotten and, Take a lot of comfort in that and, and knowing that uh, he's better off and in a better place as well. So we shall soldier on here on Lax Class, uh, episode 141. And Evan, I'm so lost right now that that I can't even remember what our big focus is off the top after conference realignment playoff format. Uh, let's get into the big focus right now. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. All right, big focus time here, Evan. And man, we kind of expected this to come about. And the news dropping days ago, the NLL has realigned their conferences. No more three divisions. Back to East-West conferences. A little new playoff tweak as well. You want to break this down for the listeners? Yeah, so we're back down to two conferences. They're no longer even called divisions. They're conferences now. Um, And in in effect, it's every team in the Eastern and Atlantic time zone, all eight of them in one conference, everybody in every other time zone in the Western conference. And so there's six teams out there, eight teams out there. And I wasn't sure when they were looking at it whether they were going to go with four divisions and have – 
two, three-team divisions out west. But, you know, this is what they did. A lot of comments I got back were, well, why don't they just put seven and seven? It just doesn't work. There's, there's Well, I'll tell you why, Evan. I'll tell you exactly why they're not doing that is because Vegas is coming in next year. There's Team 7 in the West, which makes it 8-7. So this, this is all done in in advance of what is going to be two balanced conferences and, and expect the, the eighth and final Western team. And listening to, to the Commissioner Nick Sakavage on, on Teddy's podcast uh, this week, you know, saying, like, we all kind of thought we were going to get to 16 and then slow down for a little bit. But it it sounds like the commissioner is saying there's so much interest that they may just keep plowing along here and, and adding teams every year or, or second year here. So, but yeah, this is, I'm not this so is, sure about well, that. well, we'll have to see how, how that goes. But the point being is that eventually the next team that comes in is going to be another Western team and we'll have some balance there at eight and eight. And instead of changing it this year to, to make it whatever they could have and then have to change it again next year and then maybe even the, the following year after that. So this is done in advance. They legitimize the regular season a little bit with this wild card position as well. Well, yeah, and it's going to make for an interesting schedule. The West schedule will probably be very easy in that every team plays everybody once. And everybody within their conference, you play it twice. That works out to 18 exactly. With the East, it's going to be a little interesting because there's only two teams that you're going to play one time. So if you're in a tie break with a team in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you've got one, you potentially only have one game against them that is going to determine everything. Yeah. So now, now the, the thing of the statement of every game counts really adds up and especially too with that wild card position if it's every game you only get that western conference team one time now every game counts yeah so let's so two top teams in each conference get a bye the next best three teams in each conference are in and no am i getting this wrong here you're getting it wrong so in the east it's the top four go to the playoffs yes no buy yeah in the west it's the top three Fourth spot in the West is either the, is the better of the fourth place team in the West or the fifth place team in the East. There you go. That's what I meant to say. So thanks and, for clear. And then and then playoff format. The opening rounds is just a single game elimination, and then the conference finals are two out of three, and the finals are two out of three. Which will be interesting because they will always kind of look to see that the NLL season was done around the time the PLL started up. These playoffs might now get extended into the middle of June, so that'll be mm. that'll be interesting there. Uh, now, the whole thing with how many teams that they're going to come with, two concerns if they go beyond 16. One is that when they get to 16, they got to look at expanding the schedule and the, the potential of full-time professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Now that gets a little trickier to pull off. The other problem is, is will the talent get watered down to the point where it's not as interesting anymore? If you go to 20, say right away and. Well, it's, it's the goal. It's the goalie position for. that, that I think is the major concern. Like I think if, if, you know, all top flight American talent, still some good Canadian talent that hasn't, hasn't cracked that league. Um, 
it's the goalie position that I think you start to run in, into trouble with, with the depth because it's just strictly right now, and not far off, mind you, but strictly right now, it's Canada, right? That's where your, your goaltending is coming from for the National Cross League. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But if you're, if you're kind of wondering why eight and six, because Vegas is coming next year, and then you can expect another Western team to come and balance things out at eight and eight. So and, do I dare ask who you think number 16 will be? Well, man, depending on who you talk to and, and who to believe and who – I've heard – multiple things i mentioned here on the podcast about the northlands deal dissolving at edmonton opening the door there for the group in edmonton i've also heard nashville and and nashville i think has been on the radar for a long long time and and at one point i believe came actually very close to happening but I, I think there's always been discussion there. And, man, every time that the Stanley Cup playoffs roll around and, and I see Prezer, Predator games going on, and just the the atmosphere in and around that stadium, like, I I, I got to believe they're taking to pro lacrosse in Nashville. So I if, I, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm putting 50% down on Edmonton. I'm putting 50 down on Nashville. And if it's something else, then let's see. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Minnesota back. I just haven't heard of any ownership group coming forward. Yeah. So I don't think that that's going to happen. I honestly think the priority might be Edmonton or Winnipeg. Yeah, Winnipeg. Simply because they have a television deal in place. TSN, television, Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, Winnipeg makes a lot of sense too. Not a whole lot going on in the, in the dead of winter, except uh, Jets games there in, in Winnipeg. So perfect size stadium, you know, it, it balances out the entire national TV deal right across the country, essentially. And, and, you know, very close to going into Montreal, I believe Albany before making the decision that it was, was Albany was Montreal was there. Their destination, so you know that that city, and and I think there's other ownership groups are are eager in that market as well. So, you know, Nick said it. There's a lot of interest, but they're doing their due diligence. They're making sure they get the right owner, the right building, the right agreement at the right time. And listen, so far so good, right? Like uh, not a not a whole lot of misses so far as far as expansion has gone. Yeah, and it's just the the concern of do we start to see repeats of what happened 15 years ago? I don't think so. Not not with this television deal, Evan, not with this television deal now that that's in place and another one coming south of the border as well. Expect that announcement. Well, uh, on one hand, at least you have owners that got deep pockets. It's not a case of who writes a million dollar check anymore. You get a team, but you got to be able to prove these markets out. And that's the other thing as with the 16, it's maybe you need a breather just to make sure that your 16 markets are strong enough before you go further. Yeah. And whether if somebody's got to relocate because the market's not what you thought it was, then you make that move first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure all of that is on the table and being discussed and, and, you know, listen, if we're sitting here talking about it on Lacrosse Classified, you can well bet they're talking about these exact things inside the NLL boardroom about the future of this league. They just, I mean, these are 
very smart business men and women making these these decisions. So I got a lot of trust in in the leadership group. Like I, I like a lot of good things have happened to this league and this sport since since Nick and and his group have taken over this league. So uh, we shall see what the future holds for the National Lacrosse League. Uh, all of it. It's it's coming and it's getting bigger and better all the time. We got to take a quick break here on Lax Class. We're moving into quarter two. Reggie Thorpe, NOL Hall of Famer, calls to the hall. Next, Lax Class. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Kevin Sinneran. You're listening to Latch Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into second quarter action. Thanks for hanging with us on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. And thank you to our fabulous sponsors, Associated Labels and Packaging, for their continued support of the podcast. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. Over 40 years, 41 in fact, an extensive product catalog, an ever-growing fleet of equipment, associated labels and packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and your packaging to the next level. Quarter two, calls to the hall. It's Jake Kelly with you here, uh, flying solo for this one. I, I told this man I'm, I'm taking him on one-on-one for episode 141 as uh, calls the hall took a few weeks to run him down, but we got him on the line. Now I keep saying we, it's just me. It's Reggie Thorpe joining me calls to the hall. Reggie, thanks for doing this. I know it's uh, it's been a crazy couple of months for you uh, as it has been for many, but first and foremost, uh, congratulations on, on such a well-deserved hall of fame induction. How are things, man? Uh, I mean, they're great. I mean, I just really appreciate you having me on. And you can definitely handle me one-on-one. You're, you're a big boy. So. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. I, I don't have the offense, so it would be just like two defenders just kind of staring at each other, I think. what that, That's what would happen. But, yeah, you're congrats. A big guy. You can drop you, you, you can drop the mitts. That's so. my go-to move. Yeah, that's my go-to <laughs> move for sure on one-on-ones, yeah. I, I, so, uh, congratulations, man. Uh, I, I know – you know, you're going through some family stuff right now. And, and when you got the call, it wasn't really at a, at a great time for you, but have you had time to kind of let that sink in and think about that moment? And, and when you got the call and, and now that you're an NLL hall of famer. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my mom's, you know, got dementia and, you know, we've been going through that with her and, and she's doing awesome. And just was a kind of a trying time here, but uh, it, it was, you know, certainly, you know, good to learn about the disease and, and, uh, and my mom was such a big part of my life, you know, growing up and such a, the, the main reason why I actually started playing lacrosse. So, you know, and she was there, I don't think she missed one game over the years there. So certainly, you know, bittersweet, you know, the timing was just as my mom was kind of going down that rocky road with dementia and then having this happen, but it, it certainly put a smile on her face. I'm not yeah. sure, you know, exactly. She, she knew exactly what was going on, but it was, it was awesome. She's been such a blessing in my life and, 
and really the reason why I actually started lacrosse and stayed in and just been so supportive. Well, tell me, tell me about it, Reggie. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you before and, and you being a, an American guy, I'm, I'm extra interested. And, and you mentioned your mom was part of the reason that you started playing lacrosse. How did you find the game? How did you find the sport? Well, I wasn't until seventh grade. Uh, my, my brother, Rory, he's a, he's a year older than me, a year and a half older, but a grade older. And, uh, my mom went to this old sporting goods store in, uh, it was, used to be called Marjax, and we got a, a Magnum Magnum stick. My brother did because he was trying out for the lacrosse, eighth day lacrosse team. And my mom kept asking if I wanted a stick. I said, No, mom, I don't, I don't know anything about lacrosse. I don't know anything about lacrosse. And then, uh, you know, after about a half hour in the store there, she finally ended up buying me one anyway. <laughs> so, what was your first uh, stick? You know, what was your first stick before you carry on? Do you remember? It was a Magnum. It okay. was a Magnum, and I'm not sure if that if that was a Brian or an SGX. Yeah, or what I it think was. that was, was Brian. Was I think Br- that was Brian. Yeah. Yeah, but those shafts were strong, boy. They were oh, yeah. really strong. But uh, uh, but yeah, I start start started playing there because um, of my mom and, and my my brother, and then uh, just uh, just picked it up from there and kept rolling with it. And did you and, and your brother have some like good backyard battles like they do up here north of the border, man? Like uh, backyard and brothers <laughs> lacrosse uh, go hand in hand. Was that was that the case for you and your brother? Uh, I have three older brothers. Oh uh, my it goodness! Was sometimes it was sometimes I'm the youngest. It was something you know, Rod, Ricky, Rory, Reggie. So I'm the youngest of four. So it, it was minus a lacrosse stick a lot, and it was usually <laughs> boxing gloves and and uh, and you, you know if you were lucky, if you were lucky, they had gloves yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we were pretty old school growing up, you know. My my parents got divorced when I was young, and, and uh, grew up with our mom. And uh, and we were pretty brothers were pretty wild, but they're a huge influence on on, on our family. And um, you know, I think every day after I left for school, I think my oldest brother would remind me, you know, it's like, uh, and remember, no one asked with a Thorpe, and that's how you went to school. Like no one asked with a Thorpe, so you you certainly <laughs> got that uh chip on his shoulder but that, that always resonated with me and my oldest brother would say and, and remember no one asked what i thought <laughs> put that up put that on the welcome mat on on the on the thorpe residence right uh <laughs> before you come knocking <laughs> yeah. on the door as we speak with hall of famer reggie thorpe so continue on your uh, it starts in grade seven did like did your brothers keep playing or i obviously you're the only hall of famer in in the family here reggie but uh Walk me through the, the high school years, and then of course on to JUCO, and the, and then Syracuse. Well, I'm not the only Hall of Famer. My, my okay, misinformation. <laughs> my, uh, so my brother Rory is a Hall of Famer uh, wrestler. He was the first All American at Morrisville awesome. College, uh, which is actually where John Grant went for his first year of college. And not many people know that. Okay. Well, a, a fellow Hall of Famer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my, my we were a big wrestling. Team. None of my brothers played lacrosse besides my my brother that was a year older than me, Rory. Uh, big, big wrestling family. Um, I wrestled too. I mean, I was decent, maybe above average, but wasn't great. But my brother Rory, uh, and Rick and Russ, they all wrestled, but my brother Roy really, really took to it and was really successful and, and, uh, has a lot of records throughout, but he actually is in the junior college hall of fame for, for more. So, but now I started playing in high school. Um, in, I think in, uh, in eighth grade, I was, uh, I was third line midi. Um, so I was on the, I was on the third line. It was pretty, pretty bad, but, uh, our goalie, got, our goalie, our, our goalie got hurt. And, um, uh, I could, so I, I played goalie my eighth grade because our goalie got hurt and I could be first string goalies and, and play. So instead of being on the third line, so I, yeah. uh, I started, I, I played goalie my eighth grade year, um, got a lot of playing time and then, uh, went up to, uh, JV and ninth grade switch, switched to defense. And then, um, yeah, I got, got end up playing, you know, small town Jordan Albert High School um, with actually a, a couple former Nighthawks, uh, Jeremy Hollenbeck, who played, I think, 10, 11 years, and Mark Fietta, 
sure. who played probably five or six years. And uh, we all actually we all won the championship together in 1997. It was actually the last MIL championship. And to have three guys from because we're I mean we're a graduation class of maybe ninety five wow uh, but to have three, three three guys on a pro team win a championship we got a nice picture of that it's pretty cool uh, uh, Mark actually I played with at Syracuse and Jeremy went on uh, to play at Nazareth but uh, we all circled back and played together with the Nighthawks so that was pretty cool to have three high school teammates from a small town you know win a championship you know in, in the odd in ninety seven the last uh, year of the MILL yeah that's unbelievable Reggie uh, and then. Herkimer Junior College. How did how did you walk down that path? I've never heard of this school before, so so please forgive me. Yeah, well, you know, back back in the junior college days in the eighties, it was Cobleskill and like Greg Tarbell, Jimmy Booth, Travis Salmon. I mean, all, some of the best Native American players out of Central New York, uh, Lafayette players, players from all over. Cobleskill was really good in the eighties, and then when Coach Wareham got the Herkimer program going in the nineties, you know, that was kind of the you know ever it was all, it was all Herkimer for that decade. And then 2000 kind of came the Onondaga community college. And okay. that's when Chuck Wilbur kind of transitioned where you had Sid Smith, Cody James and Craig point kind of kick off that whole. Pretty that good. Whole, Pretty um, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, <laughs> That'll that start era. a program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but in the, in the night, in the early nineties and in, in, in or late eighties, early nineties, it transitioned from Coleswell to Herkimer. So I was on track to go to Syracuse. Coach Simmons recruited me. Coach okay. Simmons Jr. Recruited me uh, uh, at Jordan Albridge. Fell a little bit behind on the grades there, so it just didn't make the make make the cut there. So I uh, had to go to junior college. So Co- Coach Wareham, who's a, who's a you know Paul Wareham Hall of Fame uh, National Hall of Fame coach player from, from Cortland, um, he convinced me to go to go to junior college, and he says, "Get here, get your get your fundamentals and your academics together, and I'll get you into Syracuse." So he he was a he was an unbelievable mentor to me um, in junior college, straightened me up academically, get me on the right path. Uh, and, and it was great lacrosse. I think we had 16 guys uh, my year go Division One, so that was pretty cool. We had a great junior college team. And then, uh, yeah, and then Coach Simmons Jr. was patient with me. I ended up transferring uh, my junior year to, to Syracuse and played the 1992 and ni- 1993 for, for Syracuse. And um, we uh, we lost gold in 92. We lost in overtime to Princeton, but we won gold in, uh, in 93. Uh, my senior year as captain, and it was pretty, pretty really a special moment uh, in, in, in my lacrosse path. And, uh, and uh, we got married young. You know, Coach Simmons used to tell, tell us you have three milestones in your life. You know, you, you win a championship, you get married and had a kid. And, and uh, I won a championship on May 31st, 93. Uh, wow. My wife, Amy, uh, gave birth to my daughter, Elle, on June 4th, you know, uh, four days later. So it was uh, – uh, <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. you know, I feel you. I got you. So, so it was it was just an unbelievable experience. But, um, yeah, my, I mean, my, my wrestling coach uh, in high school, Mike Throod, was you know was a huge mentor in my life um you know he, he just he just you really you preached the mental toughness and coach where i'm at my junior college uh just just a, a, a such a motivational guy you, you don't want to do you just don't want you don't want to you don't want to you just don't want to let him down so you, you got the grades you, you did the work uh and he was awesome then to go on to play for coach simmons jr and to have three Hall of Fame coaches, my, Mike Frude, my, my Jordan Orange High School wrestling coach, to have Paul Wareham, Herkimer Community College coach, and Roy Simmons Jr., all National Hall of Famers, have influence on my life from the time I was like 13, 14 years old till 22. Was well, I was just very privileged you know, to, to have such fortunate mentors. Uh, in coaches, uh, and, and that really set me up for, for success. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, Reggie, because you know I was going to ask you about some of the people that had 
influences on your life and in your career and and you just like answered the question for me so that that worked out pretty well uh a, a career that spanned 15 years in the national lacrosse degree right? from 95 to 09 all with rochester even your your outdoor career all with rochester 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 uh two championships in there 10 years apart like when you won in 97 how did you feel like did you think okay we're getting back here i'm gonna do this again and then tell me about the feeling when it when you finally did do it but it was a decade later you know we we got in the league uh my first year in the league was 95 we were an expansion team from the the detroit turbos we made it to the championship game we, we ended up losing to uh the philadelphia wings in overtime you know gary uh, scored a game winner in overtime so I was like, okay, this is pretty easy. We got to a championship game. We're an expansion team. Next year, we'll win it. So then 96 comes. I think we got bounced by uh, Baltimore. I'm not sure we got bounced by, but we got bounced in the semis. And then 97 comes along, and we end up winning. So I'm like, all right, three years. I'm in mean, two championship games. I got one championship. Okay, so if I play X amount of years, I'm going to have like six, seven championships. <laughs> well, then well, well, then reality sits in, right? And, and you know, we went those games with Toronto. And we couldn't get over the hump of the Toronto Rock. And they had an unbelievable team. I mean, we were, we were certainly um, uh, backpedaling a little bit. You know, we had them on their heels in the, in the last game, the Maple Leafs Garden. Yep. Um, you know, de- definitely. Uh, does that definitely, one still sit I with you, Reggie? Like, do you still, does that one haunt you a little bit even till today? Uh, it does, but you know what? You, you watch the game. I mean, there's some calls. I mean, Casey Powell got, you know, probably should have been a, you know, I, I think I think the person ahead of might have done some some uh, some jail time assault, if they were ahead of me. Assault days, charge, you know, assault, yeah, yeah, assault, yeah, assault, assault charge. But you know, I mean, some of those, I mean, that's a tough place to play. You play the Maple Leaf Ma- guard, you know. I mean, um, the refs did a great job, but I, like I said, I, I think some calls. You watch the, the game over, you know. I think uh, I don't know. I think uh, the game could have. It was a great game. I mean, but to be in that barn uh, was pretty special. But again, like I said, we 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 uh, we got to a bunch of championships game. And then, like I said, we couldn't get over the hump, but we, we were there every year, and, and that was important. I think we had 13 straight playoff runs when I was there. Uh, and then, you know, in that 2007 season, you know, uh, you know Eddie Cuomo leading us, and we we had such a good group. And I think we started out one and two, maybe, or something like that. And we were kind of scrambling a little bit, but we we all stuck together. And then that was a really special season because, again, going those 10 years without a championship and being so close all those years, I think yeah. we lost in three or four finals there. Uh, it was super special. And, and um, you know, to, to, to be, to, to wear the C and go out there and, and, and the trophy, you know, Mike Hazen uh, was banged up that, that year with a concussion. Uh, but, but to share that with Mike and going out and getting that trophy and, and, and leading that team, uh, it's just, it, it's, it's a, uh, you know, that, that was good. And especially going 10 years away, it was a really, really special um, you know, time, but again, you kind of get in the league. You're like, ah, oh, you know, three years, one right. championship. We lost one overtime. Maybe we could have won two. And you're like, ah, oh, this is going to be easy, right? Well, well, as we all know, nothing's easy. I mean, I, I, I was reading something the other day. I think on Brody, you know, Merrill, who's, you know, I think, I you know, know, the all-time greatest, crazy great, to think, greatest hey? ever. It's he has won a championship. Yeah. He's like the best. He's probably he's probably the you know probably the. It's like one Anthony one Cosmo too, right? Like you just, it's crazy, man. Cups galore, but hasn't been able to to get and even you know john grant jr to a certain extent reggie like just unbelievable Mm -hmm. one of the greatest of all time but and and won everything and and including an ll championship but you would think a guy like that would would have a couple of more yeah it just shows you uh, how hard it really is i guess eh? 
Yeah. And 2000 was a good year. You know, I, I think we, uh, you know, we were coaching, uh, I was coaching the uh, six nations junior arrows. We won the middle cup. So right. we went from winning the, the Nighthawk championship to, to winning a middle cup, um, uh, out west in the, in the old round robin uh, version, and I was there, uh, that, that was called that one for you. Called that one for you. Yeah, I know, I know. Unbelievable, you know, to uh, to be down in. Uh, you know, we, we we played some uh, we played some dirty poker there in the in the in the consolation game. We called uh, we called gloves on the goalie, and he had uh, cut palms, you know. But yeah. but I remember hey, looking over hey. my, my coaches like. <laughs> if you're not doing everything in your power to try and win, then you're not coaching to your 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 best ability, right? And and speaking you of, know, of it, that, Reggie, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, you know, like you know, that was Sid Smith, you know, last year a junior, and I you know, I was brought in to help those guys get over the top, and, yeah. And uh, had Marshall Abrams on board, Sean Williams, Cal Smith. I mean, we had a great organization, Scott Smith, GM, and and, and Ronnie Kurt Styers, and. You know those guys wanted to win. They were so so close, and they 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 ended up hosting uh, the year or two before Peterborough. Little Abby ended up beating them. You know, yeah. well we ended up getting Abby that that next year. And uh, but just you know, I remember being on the bench in that in that game, and like four or five minutes left, and, and I looked at Kale Smith. I'm like, Kale, do I call? Because we we knew the gloves were cut. You know, and that was where Nanacoke Nanacoke scored that like the buzzer beat. power play. Yeah. Yep, 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 yeah. I think we were on the PP there. Yeah, yeah. Mitch Nanacoke, number nineteen, lefty. Yeah, he That's was right. he was a good one, but. So and, and then you know we lost to Burnaby in the in the round robin. I mean they we got pumped by him then, but then we end up going out and, and got off to a, a really hot start. Craig Point had a couple big ones outside. You know, uh, Evie was on fire. Cody Jameson, said was tapping up Longo, the D. Yeah, man, I remember, I remember oh, that yeah. squad. Yeah. And I think that team goes down highly regarded as one of the best Minto Cup champions ever, Reggie. And mm-hmm. but hey, listen, we're here to celebrate the playing career of one Reginald Thorpe here. And, and I, like, I did not know this when, when I started looking you up and this is on Wikipedia, which we all know is, is always a thousand percent correct. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but I had no idea about this in 08, you were named the GM of the Nighthawks. And it was announced at the time that you were, that you had retired to take the GM job but then changed your mind and signed a playing contract, becoming the first ever GM player in NLL history. Is this true? You know, it was uh, it was a crazy year. You know, we, we had a rash of ACLs that year. We had um, uh, John Grant went down. Uh, Scotty Evans went down on the front door. We had Marshall Abrams, uh, uh, Scott Ditzel go down the back door. And we were – it was like one injury after another injury. And uh, I was, you know, just – we were kind of in season. We were trying to make a playoff run. We ended up making the playoffs that year, and we ended up getting bounced by the New York Titans. But, um, you know, we, we were making a little bit of run, um, you know, uh, and, you know, you know I, I think we, we they, they came to me and asked if I would come back out and do it. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's uh, – I don't – I wouldn't say it was awkward. It's just it is what it is. We were, so we were trying did to you negotiate your own contract with yourself? Like, did you, like, give yourself a nice bonus right off the top, multi-year extension no, and all I, that sort of stuff? <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I think, I think I was always underpaid all these years, but I don't, care. I agree. I, I don't know what you made, but I'm always, sure you were. Yeah. I was always the low unpaid, but you know what? Uh, I was very fortunate, you know, my, my house to the, the Rochester war Memorial is about 58 minutes and, and, and rush hour, it's about an hour and five minutes. So to be that close to your own barn, yeah. um, and to have your family come watch you play all those years, that's why I didn't pivot. I could have pivoted to the Syracuse Smash in '98 or '99, whatever it was. And um, the organization was just so good. And then you know, uh, you know, with Steve Donner, Jody Gage, and then when 
when uh, Kurt Styers took it over, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great organization. It's, 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 and it will always be home to me and, and um, um, good, good people and just unbelievable set of teammates and staff and trainers and equipment managers, you know, over the years, it's just uh, some, some memories that will, will, you know, will, will, will always be teammates for life. Yeah. Well, I want to, I kind of want to hear some of those memories, Reggie, and I, and I'm looking at your stats here and, and I think, you know, one of the common threads that we've seen, excuse me, with the Hall of Famers is is the the longevity for one, but the the health. And it looks like you stayed pretty darn healthy throughout your career. Not a not a lot of stats in in the goal column, I might add here, Reg. I think just a total of five. But that speaks volumes to me that you're a guy that ends up in the Hall of Fame because usually the defenders that go and gotta have a little numbers to go with with their defensive prowess, 193 games played, just shy of a thousand loose balls. What are you the, the most proud of out of your career? You know, you know, it, it's just the, the little things. You know, I, I think um, you know, I'm probably most most proud of just being a good teammate. You know, and, and I was a guy that would always sprint to the bench. I mean, for the most part, in, in spring, you know, Rex Lyon or Paul Gate out of the box in the early days, or, or Brian Lemon out of the box, or Peter Park, you know, or Randy Mearns or, 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 or Dubang or Dewey Jacobs, yeah. you know, leader and player. And, you know, and those are non-stat things, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, but those are a momentum change. I remember when uh, Buff McCready used to coach me, you know, and he's a guy that was an old goalie, you know, played with no face mask back in the day, Hall of Famer himself, you know, and, he just would always preach at the little things and, and it's easier said than, 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 than it's easier to say than do, but you know, just, just that stuff. I and mean, that's probably, I mean, I think I had, I had, I had a pretty much a goal every three years, I think if you average it out, but you know, in playoff, in playoffs, I, I think I'd always be up there in loose balls and, and I would get some apples. Um, I, I think in the, the, the all-star game in Rochester, I don't know what the heck year it was, maybe 2006 or five. I don't know, but, I, th- I think I was two and six. I had eight points. I thought I was going to be like the MVP. Oh. And then Paul Canaby, pa- Paul Canaby had like nine points. I, oh, him, that, I think that's the, the most, I think that's the most points I've scored. in. in yeah. Like that's like, <laughs> si- that's like 15 <laughs> points for an offensive guy when you're popping up eight as, as a, as a rugged defender. And, and really Reggie, like your job was, was to shut down the other team's best, best player. And, and with that said, I've asked, I kind of asked a lot of guys this, like, is there is there a guy or two that sticks out to you that gave you fits uh, when when you had to look across and man I'm checking this guy again tonight was there a guy that sticks out to you? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, in the early days, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, Gary was a handful. Paul was on our team, obviously, yeah. for, until '97. So, uh, you know, JT, you know, Darius Kilgore, you know, I, I got uh, I got welcomed to the league. I think my first game I played Darius. Um, well, first regular season game I played, Darius. He, he gave me the old, gave me a good back door, and then said, "Welcome to the league, rookie," or something. But uh, that doesn't I mean, sound like you know, Darius yeah, at all. I don't know. Yeah, and, and then after a couple of years, you know, you know, kind of in like towards the uh, four or five, six year, you, you know, you got like a, a Doily and, uh, and and Kimbo doing that two man because I was a righty covering a lefty. I mean, sure. I know, there, there's so many good players, but those guys, man, I mean. Uh, but it was always good practice running against uh, Dewey Jacobs and Randy Mearns because they ran a pretty good you know, two-man game like, 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 and, like Kimbo and, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and Doe Hilly. And, and with that said, Reg, like I, I'm imagining your game defensively changed, uh, working a little smarter, not harder, if you will, from 95 into you know the late 2000s. What what types of things developed and molded in your game where, where you changed from maybe a young, brash rookie to an experienced veteran? You know what? It's um, I never played box lacrosse before. You know, Barry Paulus was the first coach in Rochester. I graduated from Syracuse in '93. 
I was going to head 94 to the Buffalo bands to get a tryout. Mark, Mark Redman Burnham got me a tryout or was, was working on a tryout. They ended up having a huge snowstorm. So I never tried out for Buffalo that year because of the snowstorm. And so I was sitting around 95, Barry, Barry calls. I went and tried. I said, Barry, I, I know nothing about, I play field box, you know, in the States. Yeah. But, um, so, so I was just getting, getting into the league and, and, um, and, you know, learning and, and I, like I had, like I said, unbelievable mentors, you know, like in the early days, you know, Dwayne Jacobs and, and Mernsey, um, you know, and, and, and Chugger. And, Experienced and Canadian Julio. box guys that taught you the ropes on yeah. how to defend a pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then guys like Rex, you know, Rex Lyons and, uh, you know, Peter Park. I mean, those guys in the younger day, which were, were, were crucial. But honestly, as time went on. I, I, I never really, I never played hockey growing up. So I, I just started watching after the Stanley cup playoffs and I got, I got hooked on it. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of learned how to become a better, more controlled defender and, and, you know, and just understanding the difference between regular season intensity and playoff intensity and, and just kind of learned from watching hockey, to be honest with you. I kind of just learned on my own and I watched a lot of hockey and, and learn and, you know, learn, learn, learn when to take one on the chin and, and take the five stitches and be on the power play and then learn, learn, learn when to take some of the box with you and, and learn, learn when you got to change some, some momentum and get a big hit or something. Well, so, yeah. and, uh, it was and, never like and, incorporate never the wrestling, fighter, incorporate the wrestling into your, your yeah, game, Reggie, yeah, which I'm yeah, sure well, you, you had to do from, from a time or two through, through those 15 years. I, yeah. I, I ask guys this all the time too, like, you know, through through the early MILL days, the Spandex, the Mayhem at the the Spectrum and the Odd War Memorial, did, is there a memory that that sticks above all the rest when things got a little wild and woolly out there? You know, I, I don't. You know, there, there's a good 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 old fashioned line brawl in Philadelphia in the old Spectrum <laughs> uh, with all of us and the goalies. But no, I don't know. You know, who'd you I, match I mean, up with? Like, who would you who would you have to go against in that line brawl? Uh, some other American there. I forget his name there, but uh, had you ever been uh, in a fight before? A couple of scraps, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always like, I, like I said, I, I don't, I was definitely uh, not the one to drop the gloves a lot, but I always take a couple guys to box. And if you take a liberty on us, we're going to take a liberty on, on, on your offensive guy, you know. So again, le- learning those those nuances of uh, uh, of just like you know, hey, you know, if, if you're going to slash John Grant Jr., we're going to slash <laughs> JT, right? Yeah, if we're not, and then for not, yeah. It, 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 and, and so you don't have to fight. It's like you know what JT's going to the bench and be like, "Hey, listen, quit slashing Junior because I'm going <laughs> to That's exactly you know, what happens. That's uh, exactly uh, but, uh, what happens. You know, I don't know. You know, like, like I said, there was always some just some some, some good battles, right? I, I think um, uh, my first my first scrimmage ever actually we were, we were for the Nighthawks. It was '95. Uh, might have even been '94 before the season started, and we're scrimmaging in Buffalo um, and. Um, I just remember uh, my, my, my wife's expecting her second or second kid, Gail, her son, Gail. And, and I go out there, I think I hit Garris, a nice clean hit, you know, but, but square him. And I had no idea who the kills were. I had no idea who Richie was. Travis was there. It was my first game, you know, and, and I knew, I knew Redman. I knew, I knew, I knew Mark Burnham on the, the Buffalo band. Yeah. So I go out there and, I, I think I laid out there. I clean hit, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I got the Kilgore boys chasing yeah. me around. You hit one, and you hit them all. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, and, and we're in the sin bin there for, for a little bit. And I got Tom Sensible uh, waving his hands because back then it was Paige. It's like, hey, you got to go because, you know, Gail's in the Gail's, your son's getting bored. But I, I finished my match, finished the scrimmage oh, there. Oh, man. But that was, that was, 
that was probably the first thing, but, but I think I earned a lot of respect that day too, because I wasn't going to back down from anyone, you know? And, and um, uh, but, uh, but that was, a, that was a certainly good, good to like, Oh, oh I found out Travis Pritchie and, and yeah. Darius are quick. <laughs> Welcome to the NLL moment. Uh, as we speak with Reggie Thorpe and, I'll only keep you a couple of more minutes here, Reggie, and and I know you're you're a busy guy, and and of course the the former. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Riptide because we haven't really touched on on that. I haven't talked to you since that, and I'm wondering, like, is there a desire to get back in, and and maybe to add to that? Like, I know a lot of things kind of worked against you and didn't go your way, but what did you take away from that experience? Like, did you? Do you think you learned something from that? So when and if you do want to come back, you'll be better off for it? Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, having guys like Marshall Abrams and um, and Jay Tenhawk and uh, uh, Brian Hobart, part of our staff, I mean, these guys got, you know, they don't have enough hands for their rings. You know, they have championships, you know, from all NCAA, you know, uh, Canadian lacrosse, yeah. Mental Cups, Man Cups, you know, President's Cup, you know, so – you know, we, we, we had a great staff, you know, and, and we really preached and lived by being patient and keeping draft picks. And, you know, so, sometimes, you know, the vision as you go into an organization is, 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 you know, we thought we were being transparent and, and um, what we want to do. And obviously, you know, I understand their, their perspective and, and, you know, sometimes people grow impatient and they don't see the people getting their ears and, and, and sometimes people panic. Right. And, uh, but we, we, we really set the organization up for, for, I think for, 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 you know, good success in the future and the picks. I mean, they got teeter this year, you know, I think yeah. that's, uh, but, uh, it, it, you know what, the, we were in it, we were in every, we were in most games. I mean, it's a couple of games are out, but it's, it's tough, but you know, like I said, uh, they're, they're good people there. Uh, you know, I definitely, definitely miss the NLL, but they're good people there and you know, no, no hard feelings. Right. I mean, it's, I think I called, uh, Paul Day or Eddie Cuomo and they're like, well, it won't be the first time, and it won't be the last. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> it. Know? That's it, Reggie. Coaches are, are essentially hired to be fired, and, and it's, you know, probably not the first time. Probably won't yeah. be the last time. And speaking of that, man, like, uh, congrats on the new Gator gig here. Uh, not a bad spot to, to spend lacrosse season down there in Florida. Congrats on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they, they got a, a top five program there, uh, you know, an opportunity to go there and, and help them grow in, in the future. And um, it's, uh, it, it's exciting. It, it's real exciting. So, uh, you know, excited to be back on, on the, the, the women's side. You know, I spent 10 years at Syracuse coaching the women's team, had a lot of success there and yeah. uh, excited to be, be, be in Florida and bring some of those, 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 some of that culture to, to, uh, to, to Gainesville. So let's, let's go Gators. Absolutely. I'm, I'm doing the, the Gator chop with my hands right now. You just can't see it. Uh, and I know you got, uh, you got camps coming up here for the next 10 days and we had to kind of squeeze you in here. So before I let you go, Reggie Thorpe, uh, give me, give me a plug on, on what you're doing coaching wise right now. Uh, what I'm doing coaching wise. Well, I know you're running clinics and, and camps. I don't know if you want to oh, throw just, a little, uh, company pr- pr- promo yeah. out there if you want. Uh, no, we're, we're just, we're just in recruit mode, you know, you know, uh, you know, June, July are, are big. Oh, okay. My bad. Sports. I thought you were, I thought you were running, yeah. running clinics yeah. and camps for the next 10 days, but I probably just oh, read, no, we, yeah. I just yeah, read no, the we, text we, we wrong without no, my glasses on or something, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no camps, clinics, re- recruiting events, you know, the, you know, with, with COVID happening last year, uh, I mean, it, it we're, everyone's kind of out, you know, working on, on the men's and women's side in the NCA, just trying to find the best, the best team. Oh, so you're, 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 you're on the recruiting trail right now, going to camps yeah. and clinics, looking for Gators yep. essentially is what you're doing. Exactly. That exactly. makes way so more it's been, sense it's been, now. It's been a busy couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Reggie, I 
can't thank you enough for for making some time. Congratulations on just a spectacular Hall of Fame career. I look forward to the day when when you get back in the NLL. I think that day is going to come. And you know, you're never going to be out of the sport, Reggie. You're always going to be involved in the game of lacrosse, and I take great comfort in that. Thanks for doing this, man. All right, Jake. I appreciate. It. Stay safe. You too. There was one Reggie Thorpe, and and I mentioned to to kind of Evan about Kevin Finner. And when I started watching the National Lacrosse League in in the early days, late MILL days, early NLL days, and, you know, I knew most of the Canadian players. I, I You know, I was familiar with these guys. But then the Odd-American guy would stick out to me. And, and Kevin Finneran was one on the offensive end. And Reggie Thorpe was really one on the defensive end. He and Jake Berge had never really seen American defenders kind of play the, the type of brand of lacrosse that these guys did and they caught your attention and and Reggie's now in the Hall of Fame it's not going to be too long before Jake Berge goes in as well calls to the hall of course brought to you by our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear where it's been known for a long time they have Canada's best variety of Western cowboy boots but did you also know they carry a great selection of CSA approved work boots Boots that are great for the job site, for men, ladies, Blundstone to Boggs. I can't wait to get the Blundstones on again. Or for all-day comfort, there's nothing like the Work Hog by Mint for Ariat. And ladies, brand new, just-in-time, CSA-rated Rivier by Ariat. Available in both pull-on or lace-up version. You're not going to beat that. You can find it all at Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Highway 10, 180th. Or you can shop online. That's still shopping local at stampede.ca. Halftime here on Lax Class 141. We're moving into the third quarter. Second half action is next. Quick Sticks coming up. We're back after this on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is an NL Hall of Famer pedal tool. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and Lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into the second half. You know this by now. Into quarter three we go. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. And also with this, the NLL Warriors. Uh, We had Mitch Jones on last week talking about his brand new deal. We got more signings to come. We're going to talk about it all here in Quick Sticks coming up. But uh, check out the Vancouver Warriors website at VancouverWarriors.com. Nothing's offside. Be a warrior. I know I've been teasing it. Ticket Prey, all of it's coming. Trust me. And as soon as it drops, you're going to hear all the information right here. But in the meantime, at NLL Warriors, Twitter, Instagram, they always got stuff uh, going on. I actually went out to Ladner a few days ago, Evan, to check out the series between the North Shore. And I told you I was going to do it. Uh, I was hoping to get to Harry Jerome. I'm still going to do that, but decided to make the trek out to Ladner. Uh, the Chancellor recommended a little uh, little bistro for us uh, out there in lovely Ladner, the Flatlands, and, and had a little dinner, went in, took in the game, actually got into to a little drumming for the first time, Evan. I, I'd never, you know, been in the stands with a drum, and I just, you know, kind of took my cues and waited for others to get started and got into it a little bit, uh, knocked the head right off the drumstick. So Danny's got to fix that, but I, I found uh, it... It was good for the soul, man. Like I, 
to sit amongst the peoples and, and, and bang the drum during a lacrosse game felt pretty cool. Well, I suppose now that you haven't been to Saskatchewan in a year and a half, you need to get to the flatlands a little bit, just kind of a climb. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, just so I can uh, you know see my see my dog run away for two weeks or whatever they say out there in Saskatoon. Well, I mean, we're getting some massive fires for oh, fire smoke yeah, coming well, through here now. It's, well, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir here in BC, Evan. Uh, wildfires are completely out of control here in, in British Columbia as well. And with that being said, uh, you know, I hope everybody stays safe. I know uh, Danny's daughter was coming down the Coquihalla yesterday, and there was a, a just a horrific crash that took the lives of of multiple people and. You know, like I, I posted on my Facebook and just said, like, for God's sake, the, the, the amount of time that you actually save, not to get off track here, but not the amount of time you actually save by speeding is so not worth the time that you save. And especially when lives are lost. And I don't know if drinking or driving wasn't involved or not, but it's a pretty common thing for, for guys to kind of start getting after it on the way up to the, to the beautiful Okanagan. And man, I just, you know, like a, a lot of people out on the roads, families, you name it, uh, just be careful and, and be responsible and, and slow down. Like I'd please, there's, there's really no rhyme or reason for it. Uh, so I feel like a complete old man kind of with a PSA like that, but that, you know, this is, this is where my head and my heart is at right now after, after hearing something like that. So, you know, well, just, just be stop, safe. Let the party stop for a few hours while you get to your destination. Yeah. Like plenty I mean, of time to get the drinks India when, when you get there, like there's, there's no reason to, to get started early, especially when you're behind the wheel. So, um, let's move on here with, with quick stick seven. I saw this come down the newswire. Tally Campbell. I don't know if you're familiar with Tally Campbell or not, but this kid, I don't know, started out like as a volunteer with the Nanaimo Timberman organization, then started to kind of take on their social media, then become like a game day manager. Then, you know, just started working his way up to the point where he became the general manager of the BCHL hockey team in Coquitlam, the Coquitlam Express, and now the Burnaby Lakers and, and Tally Campbell and the Express have joined forces, and, and he's become the president of lacrosse operations for the Lakers. Like, this kid is is making moves, and, and, like, he's worked his way from the ground up. So he knows the ins and outs of the entire kind of thing, and, and here's a guy that, that I think really cares about the game. And I, I don't know. I, I was just kind of happy to see this relationship form between these two entities. He's going to have his work cut out for him, as will every WLA and MSL team. Getting though. it back going, because, yeah. Yeah, they, they, by the time they return to play, they won't have played for 33 months. And it's going to be t- – like your, hardco- your, your hardcore lacrosse fan is going to come back. You know, we're pretty certain of that. But it's getting the casual fan back when you haven't been yeah. – around for a long time yeah hopefully it, it comes out can't hurt so congrats to tally and and the lakers uh world series of youth lacrosse we talked about this and and the karen there at the at the banquet doing unspeakable things and saying just ridiculous comments uh the iroquois nationals have come back with a statement just saying that you know there's there's been no accountability or, or punishment handed out to this lady or this team or this organization and and literally they've just kind of tried to sweep this thing under the rug and they're done with it they're not attending the world series of youth lacrosse with any of their teams anymore 
until something is done, uh, which which I stand behind completely. More quick sticks here, Evan. Uh, WLA coming out, uh, nothing official yet, but hearing whispers that they're going to kind of do like a Young Guns. Uh, the, the draft classes from the last couple of years, I think, are going to have a little you know, Young Gun Stars game here uh, coming up and, and I think a, a little combine action to get some guys some exposure. This thing's going to be filmed. We're going to have it all on bcsports.tv. So look forward to that. No dates or, or anything official yet. I don't think we have an official date on the National Cross League entry draft yet. We know it's going down in Buffalo, but I haven't seen an exact date come out, so stay tuned for that. Uh, BC's best has been going on all weekend. Team BC tryouts and, and combines and showcases and all of it going on down there in Aldergrove. And I retweeted this, Evan, from both accounts because it was that spectacular. Did you see this goal, this one-handed, blind, behind-the-back sub shot? Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. I And the kid like it looked like it wasn't the first time that he has tried this shot. If you haven't seen it, scroll my timeline. This goal was completely ridiculous. It completely ridiculous. But could you imagine, like, if field is one thing, if he tried that in a box game, Somebody probably would have put him on his ass. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but it it wasn't. It was it was a field game, and and it was just a like John Grant was was retweeting this goal. You know he loves to score those type of goals, so it it's pretty incredible. Check it out. Uh, I gotta get this in, Evan. XLL. It's Sunday night. We're recording here on a Sunday, and XLL going down tonight. Bears and Skyhawks are going to get after it, and both teams are going to be looking a little bit different as over the course of the last four or five days, the old XLL has acquired a few marquee names. Have you been Have you been watching the, the commissioner's tweets uh, about, about I, I, all this? I've been, well, I've been following a certain player's tweets especially, mm. that, but he's not playing his position. No, well, this That's is... the interesting part. Yeah, Maybe this... he's too good at his position to be playing there, but yeah. Well, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know. If it, the goalie stable is, is nice and full in the XLL. Those positions were taken, but uh, one Christian Del Bianco decided that he was going to lend his services to the XLL, but coming out as a player... And listen, I've seen Christian twirl around the wand a little bit at the box and, and on the field. And Christian Del Bianco, you've I mean you've seen him running around with a goal stick. Imagine with a short stick. The guy can play lacrosse. So I'm looking forward to a full blown game here with the phenom uh, rocking his Italian heritage. And also Jordan Magnuson is the other one, correct? Jordan Magnuson is in. Graydon Bradley has signed in the XLL and one James Ray. Uh, also signing up to the XLL. So I think uh, roster is just about full. If they're not, uh, they're very, very close. And a couple more signings may trickle in. But I'm but sure you'll take a few extras once injuries and well, other plans. Well, we'll see. Yeah, keep, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're interested, uh, you, you know how to get a hold of me by now. Ontario Junior Lacrosse League, Evan, uh, releasing some news that they're going to play all their games at the track, and attendance is going to be by invitation only. So essentially a team will get 20 tickets, 30 tickets, whatever it is, and they can delegate how those tickets get out to their people. Um, so they're getting some lacrosse, junior A lacrosse going in Ontario, all at the track and by invitation only. Couple more quick sticks to go, and I gotta say thank you so much to Jordan Cornfield 
and the St. Albert Miners. I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram or not, Evan. If you haven't, go look at this. Oh, I've seen it, yeah. Maybe the nicest jersey that I've ever seen, to be quite frank with you. Uh, done up by my good friends at Extreme Threads, of course. But the St. Albert Miners uh, gifting me one of the jerseys that are going to go up for auction uh, for an upcoming Miners game and all proceeds going to the Residential School Fund. Check my Instagram, PXP for Sports. Have a peek at this thing and then and then get on to the to Miners website and find out how you can bid on these jerseys. I think, Evan, this could be like a record-breaking jersey auction here. These things are absolutely gorgeous. And, of course, for such an important cause – uh, to raise awareness and to raise money for for residential school victims, like I think we could set some records here with these these ones. Well, if we do that, like I mean, we're talking some jerseys going for three thousand dollars a crack, then. Mm. But you know, uh, hey, they're, they're that nice. Happen. Why not? They're that nice. So check out St. Albert's uh, Miners Lacrosse. Check my Instagram as well, and uh, have a look at the jersey. And then uh, if you're if you're interested. I highly recommend it. Um, last one I got here, I have an NLL 35 moments. Got to get this in on a weekly basis. The NLL merges with the MILL back on July 21st, 1997. And, of course, you know, with this this Calls to the Hall series we've done, we've talked to, to Russ Klein and and kind of listened and, and found out how the, the transition happened from the MILL to the NLL. And, and guys like Paul and Gary Gate, pretty instrumental in, in kind of breaking away and saying, like, let's let's make this happen instead and, and kind of force these guys into into making this move and, and selling off their franchises. Yeah, and, you know, the, the game was strong in a few centers. It slowly started to expand outwards after that, for the good and for the bad, but it started to expand out from just a few handful of teams. And I think they're only playing – six or eight games a season back then. Yeah. Well, so this is this is kind of the, the quote that they have. With varying opinions on the direction of the league, members of the MIL branched out to create a rival league, the NLL. After many of the teams and players committed to the NLL, the two leagues merged, creating the league as we know it today. So very similar, I would say, to what you saw go down in the MLL and the PLL, and I know that's a lot of LLs going around. But well, uh, stay- that's, that's less. That's much more of a we're taking over and we'll take your players as we go along with you. Well, the other don't kid yourself, Evan. That that kind of that's pretty much what happened. Is is the marquee players said we're starting a different league, and then the players like, oh, okay, well, let's go join that league, and and that's kind of how it went down. Well, and one quick stick on my end. All right, go. yeah, get your Rocky um, Mountain uh, update Rocky in there, Mountain please. Rocky Mountain Lacrosse League has been up and going for about three weeks now. Interesting season in that they're only playing 10 regular season games over five weeks. Um, in fact, Saskatchewan, I think, is only playing four home games, the way it all works out. Uh, and then there's going to be a championship weekend where it's going to be another round robin. That weekend, three games in three days, followed by the next day, the final between the top two. So, uh, an interesting standings right now in that the St. Albert Miners, who were perennially last place in that Junior A League, are in first right now, unbeaten. 
and with John Lentz. His, his Johnny Lentz, Stampede Stallion, and, yep. And, you know, for Saskatchewan, uh, 0-3 start, they, they knew they were going to be going through a rebuilding stage for two or three years. If there was a rebuilding stage, it's like the perfect time to have a rebuilding stage when yeah, yeah. there's no Mintos to be had to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, you can you can probably put the Coquitlam Junior Adnax in that department as well as I've you know I've only had a chance to kind of take in a couple of games so far, but seeing the score lines come in, they've certainly come back to the pack, and the pack has certainly taken a step forward in Junior A. Like I, I'm still not sure who the clear cut favorite is on on the mainland or over on the island quite yet uh, as. Jockeying continues, but uh, you know everybody is beating everybody uh, essentially here. So it's it's going to be fun to watch coming down the stretch. And and I got to get these in here, Evan. Signings coming down the wire. There's a bunch. Bear with me and and maybe make a note or two if uh, if you got something to chime in on. Here we go. Colorado have signed Ron John, McIntyre, Chaster, and Sevier to two year deal. Going to take a big breath. Halifax, Mike Burke to a one year agreement. Matt Mariner, three-year agreement with the Riptide. They've also signed Radowitz and Nick Finley to two years. Nighthawks, Vecina, Hill, Bodie Shields, Joel Watson, two years. Nighthawks have also signed Curtis Knight to a one-year. Rock have signed Brandon Slade to one year. The Warriors, Denon Armstrong, Jonah Bonham, who I was quite impressed with watching that Ladner North Shore game, by the way. One-year agreements there for those two, and also Owen Barker gets two years. The Roughnecks signed Liam LeClaire to a one-year. Halifax have signed Shane Barkley to a one-year. Riptide Scott Dominey to a one-year. Nighthawks, Udding, Michael, Milligan, and Biles to two-year agreements. Seals, Bomberry to a one-year agreement. The Warriors have placed James Ray on the protected list. The Bandits have signed Doug Buck into a two-year. The Mammoth, Curtis Conley, Nate Fasine, Tamas, LeClaire, two-year agreements, and McNabb to a one-year. Halifax signing Warren Hill and Eric Fennell to two-year agreements. The Wings have signed Corey Small, Stampede Stallion, to a one-year agreement. And the San Diego Seals have signed Mac O'Keefe, Trey LeClaire, and Austin Stotts. Man. That's quite the trio right there. That jumps off the page at you. <laughs> Mac O'Keefe, Trey LeClaire, Audie Stotts to two-year agreements. Those are all your NLL signings here for the last yeah, week. A few notes on this. Um, Austin Stotts, obviously, I guess not as much fallout on this end. We'll see if there is any with regards to what happened in the PLL. Mm. Uh one of the things to keep, kind of keep an eye out for the next couple of weeks is whether free agents sign back with their team. August 1st is coming around the corner. That's when they can start to talk to other teams. Yep. So just keep an eye on to see if the free agents on your team are signing once again. One other thing from last week, this uh, these qualifying offers, the PLO, now is the NLLPA. I still don't have that in my head right. They clarified something for me, and that is these qualifying offers, what it does is that if you qualify the player, they're still a restricted free agent, so they can entertain contracts from other teams that you can match. But if you don't qualify them, then they're, if you qualify them, sorry, if you qualify them, they're, they're uh, I got this all wrong, sorry. If you qualify them, then they are no longer a restricted free agent. If you don't qualify them, they are. Okay. I think that makes sense. I, that yeah. sounds backwards to me, but I will take your word for it. Uh, are you sure about that? 
It almost that's seems like if you the LPA told me. Okay, if, if you say <laughs> so. The, once again, I just said the old name. <laughs> I'll take uh, Josh and Reader's uh, Reader's opinion on that. Uh, okay, that's it for Quick Sticks, Evan. One more quarter to go. Uh, what do we got? Stampede Stallion of the Week, fourth quarter. Get me out of here. It's coming up next, 141, Lax Class. Back up to this. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the fourth and final frame we are. And uh, before we get into our, our Stampede Stallion, i got to let you know... But you can follow us along on social media. We are at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. That's our email address. We're at lacrosseclassified on Instagram. Lax Class on Twitter. We got a Facebook page as well. Evan is at Shem Lax. I am at PXP, the number four sports. Wherever you listen to your podcast, please subscribe and throw down a review while you're at it. We would really appreciate it. Uh, Evan, final quarter, mount up. It's time to head for the stables. Gav, best horse impersonation. Go. <laughs> Not a chance. Come on. One time. No. No. Oh, uh, we're at the Stampede Tech in Western Wear Stables here, and Evan, it is your selection this week. Please tell me who you have picked. Well, I want to change this from a Stallion of the Week to Thoroughbred of the Week. Oh. The reason I say this is Thoroughbreds are racehorses, right? Lightning fast. And Lightning fast, you say. Lightning right fast, you say, Evan. Lightning fast. And Thoroughbred of the Week is Joey Capito. This is a guy that I love to watch live more than on television because I, I can sit back from my seat and literally the second there's a turnover, my eyes are immediately turning to where is he, right? Because he gets lost in the crowd constantly. He's busting it downfield and he's lucky in part that he has a goalie like Dylan Ward that can throw it on a dime to him. But... If you're if Capito's on the floor and you're not hanging somebody back that's got enough speed to go with them, you're dead. You're right? not catching guy. Joey Capito from behind. And think about it, he's the one that broke all of Saskatchewan hearts the last full season we had in the playoffs. I recall, Evan. I do recall. And and I think that, you know, like there's certain guys that play lacrosse that have something that is not coachable. And that is the anticipation of knowing when to take off off the top without getting cooked on defense on a regular basis. And there are certain guys that just have a knack and know exactly when to do it. And those are the guys that get like Nick Finley is kind of like a guy like that. Um, But Capito is so good at it, and and the other thing he'll do is pick a lot of passes off. And like you said, you're not catching him from behind, but what makes him so, so dangerous is his finishing ability when he gets down there because a lot of guys get those opportunities, but they do not finish with consistency like, like Capito does. And 
This is a guy that's always going to be in the conversation for transition player of the year because of it. And we were talking about Rob Pinnell and the Ninja course. Here's a guy, Joey Capito, that I think would excel at something like that as well. But 134 games for Lightning, 65 goals, 80 assists, and just produces on on a yearly basis. He's always kind of around that 10 mark and and he's always going to, you know, give you a good 20 25 points a year and so dangerous like it's there's nobody else in the league that's really like him. And here's the catch. If he's not signed or he's not franchised in the next 2 weeks, he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. They got to sign Joey You Capito. could imagine how many teams are going Every to team. be making that phone call. Every team, Evan. Every single team would put Capito on their roster. Like, I'm confident in saying that. Oh, I would be confident in saying that, too. Yeah. So, Joey, Lightning, Capito, the Thoroughbred. Welcome to the Stampede Talk Stable. You are this week's Stallion, and of course, the Stampede Stallion brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, where they have long been known for having Canada's best variety of Western and cowboy boots. But did you also know, Evan, they carry a great selection of work and CSA approved boots? Boots approved for the job site for both men and ladies, blunt stones or bogs, or for all day comfort, there's the Work Hog for men by Ariat. And the ladies, brand new, just in. CSA approved the Rivier by Ariat. I've been working on my French. And it's available in both pull-on or lace-up version. You can't beat that. I, I'm i I'm very close to having to, to just go to strictly Velcro, Evan, until, until I get my, myself a new hip. Uh, <laughs> tying, tying my left shoe is no longer a thing for me. Uh, so, so the pull-ons are a good thing. You can support Canadian Made with CSA styles from Boulay and Canada West Boots, too. They got every kind of boot you can imagine. Just go in there, out there in Cloverdale at the corner of 180th and Highway 10. Check it out or get online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. Evan, another monster program. I thank you for hanging out with me and talking lacrosse. We thank Reggie Thorpe for coming by. We thank our sponsors, Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors Associated Labels and Packaging. And the biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener, for checking out Lax Glass each and every week. We thank you so much for that. We'll be back next week right here on the Home of Lax Glass, the Cross Flash Podcast Network, Tuesday, every single week. We're not stopping as we work our way to the return of the National Lacrosse League season. Don't forget to check out the XLL tonight. Uh, well, you're probably not going to hear it tonight. But every Sunday, bcsports.tv with yours truly. Looking forward to that. All right, Evan, we're out of here. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Kelly. And for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.